latest installment, Martin and Marlowe, and we have to begin. I don't want to bury the lead, the Kill Coin Conversation with Chuck. Week three, tension building, not a false narrative. We're on the back patio outside the lovely Marlowe residence, and the dog attacked me, literally attacked me. First of all, I think he attacked you because you're about 30 minutes late, and I told him to. But you also, when you have a dog, you can't just come to the backyard unannounced and then I open the door, and my cockapoo, he is a very uh, good attack dog, and he made sure that you weren't an intruder. I came around back because I've never been welcome inside. This is not a false narrative. Remember this, right? You guys have been married for a year. Janie Mae had just been born. So we were going to celebrate your wedding anniversary. Brought over a baby gift. Kim and I get here. Charlie and Jess are out back, and they're like, we can't go. Sitter fell through. Sorry. So Kim and I went out to dinner. We still owe you that dinner, by the way. It's only been two years. <laughs> But we, I realized when we left, we never got invited inside. That was true. Not a false that, narrative. That was true, but then I feel like I was waiting in the front to allow you to see the house today, and that's why I was surprised when you came to the back, and Otis was too. Otis and I were both ready to welcome you through the front door to see our lovely home, and uh, it didn't work out that way. But we might as well just keep it going, and you just never actually right, set welcome. foot in my house I, ever. I honestly thought, though, like with <laughs> like COVID concerns, you got a young baby, young kid. I thought maybe if ever there was a reason not to come in, today was the day I didn't know that the attack dog was out. He didn't do any damage. I could tell he wanted to bite, and I was trying to decide, like, I can't kick Chuck's dog. Like, I'm walking in here. LaRusso will never talk to me again. I'm like, I can't. I didn't know what to do. Is I just kind of stand there and take it. Nonetheless, week three. The beauty of this show, the beauty of these segments, Charlie, is relatively unscripted. The randomness. This is like when we sit in the sports office, weird things pop up. And then you get online, and then you can't get out of that rabbit hole. I mean, my mind, the other day, I was doing yard work. That's the big thing, of course. Doing yard work with Kim, and I see a blue jay. And I just kind of started staring at it. I was supposed to be mulching. And I started thinking of Rico Cardi, Danny Ainge. I started thinking like George Bell. I was thinking of like old Blue Jays. And I remembered a moment when I was a kid. We lived in Milwaukee. and it was Pat Gruber. Pat Gruber. Yeah, you're younger. So Kelly, who was the... Uh, was, was it, it Kelly Gruber? Kelly Gruber. Pat Tabler, Pat maybe? Tabler. There you go. Uh, when I was a kid in Milwaukee, they had picture day. And think of now, like security, COVID. You can't do anything anymore. You would get on the field and walk around, and your favorite brewer would come up and you'd take a picture. Ben Ogilvy, Larry Heisel, whatever. But it was so crowded at the Brewer's dugout, I walked over to the Blue Jays' dugout. They were in town. And I sat in the dugout. I was probably 10. And I started talking to these guys, and I said, will you guys sign this piece of paper? It's like an old uh, lineup card that was on the ground. I still have it. Danny Ainge and Rico Cardi were the guys I was sitting there talking to. Danny Ainge was trying to be a baseball player mm-hmm. before he went full tilt. Uh, with basketball and so that's how my mind works so now I, and then the blue jay flies off and kim's like what are you doing and i start thinking uh, was See, lloyd gaston was a really good manager <laughs> and i'm like was he there twice or was he there three times and at that point i really wanted to go in and just get on the computer and think like lloyd mosby mm-hmm. was probably they always had like legit outfielders right blue jay see i I started remembering the Blue Jays, 92-93, Joe Carter. Was Tom Hankey on that team? Oh, yeah. You had a great pitching staff. I do that all the time. For example, just going down the Wikipedia rabbit hole, last night we were looking through Netflix, and one of my favorite movies of all time, Blow, Jess had never seen it. So we watched it last night. She, of course, falls asleep. And then all night I'm just Googling, Pablo Escobar, George Young, all those different 
big time kind of cocaine cowboys throughout the 70s and 80s. And that's how I spent my entire night last night after watching the movie Blow. I understand. Been there. Uh, we do a COVID shout out. I think I gave one to Chris Kerber last week, gave one to you for running down Boom Boom Gunnerson. I'm going to give it to Our Little Haven. We've got a charity event. We're going to tape it this week, but it'll come out in July. The great folks at Our Little Haven are still doing the work helping kids. But I was I was slightly alarmed slash offended. We had a meeting the other day. So we're going to be taping this week in a studio, doing some interviews. Ozzy Smith, JJK are involved. And one of the guys helping coordinate it, he said, okay, so you got your scripts and you know where to be. And he said, do you want something on the set, something to drink? And I said, yeah, like water. And he goes, you want something a little stronger? And I'm like, what? He goes, you know, like at the trivia nights, we always have a little something for you. And I'm like, dude, we're taping at 10 a.m. this week. <laughs> I'm like, is it that bad that people, should I be flattered or concerned? I think you should be flattered. And if people have seen you do the trivia nights where everybody's a little looser and you have fun and all that, and it's 5 o'clock somewhere, 10 a.m., you could have a nice Bloody Mary. You could do a mimosa. And uh, I'm fine with, with beers in the morning as well. So I, w- I would be flattered by that. I was, I was just a little concerned. They're like, you want something like, ah, water with like, maybe something else? I'm like, is that, it's like, Vodka water? what do they call that when the, uh, the rider, the rider when like the, the, for concerts, concerts come in, like they demand, yeah, we got Kill Coin booked. We're going to have to have some Jack and Cokes waiting. Well, the event's at 9 a.m. Understood. Have the Jack and Cokes. Uh, all right. Here's the theme, though. So other than being unscripted, I like themes. People talk about your career. Anytime you meet a kid, when you're on the big guest alert, I'm sure he wanted to know how you got started. And at the time when you're working in small markets, I think you feel like this is the worst job I could ever have. And then you move around a little bit and you're like, God, I kind of miss that. And we've even joked, wouldn't it be fun to go back to like a really small town? You were in Upper Peninsula, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I was in northern Arizona, northern Wisconsin, and now you'd kind of like to go back and just do the sports and maybe go shoot the local high school softball game and go back, put your feet up. Well, maybe not entirely, Uh, but where did you, you started in the UP, correct? Yes. My first job was Upper Peninsula, Michigan, Marquette, Michigan. I was there about a year and a half. I started as a general assignment news reporter. I believe I was a news reporter for maybe about five months. I was actually the weekend news anchor for maybe about three, four, five months. And then I was sports for the second half before I left for, for Lansing, Michigan. I don't want to say I missed doing the sports there. It was a cool place to live with the, with Lake Superior, with everything going on in the winter. Although two winters was enough for me, but during the summer months, it's pretty cool up there, the fall colors, but the sports, I mean, you had Northern Michigan University, Michigan Tech, you had big time hockey, but the high school sports, I mean, and I was covering outdoor sports. I was covering fishing and hunting. They'd want us to go opening day of deer season. I'd just chill there at the DNR office and just, just interview people who had killed deer in the back of their trucks. Ooh, how many points how many, how many point is that? Yes. That's the lead sports no, no, story. No. This is the lead news story. I, I have a couple, couple funny stories. This one isn't as funny. It's kind of embarrassing. I can laugh now. There's nothing that really happens in the Upper Peninsula in terms of legit crime. When I got there as a news reporter, there was actually a murder that had taken place about a year prior in northern Wisconsin, which was part of our viewing area. So I go to cover just one of the court dates for this trial. And this is 2004. And so I'm looking stuff up on the Internet. I'm trying to read articles. I go and watch all of our coverage from the previous year. I had written down all these notes 
for this murder case. I had written down it was a stabbing. The person had been stabbed five times, whatever it was, up to 75 years in prison if this person is found guilty. And I remember I was on deadline trying to do this story last second, and I didn't remember my notes in terms of what the different numbers meant. So actually on air, when I meant to say that the person could get up to 75 years in prison, I wasn't sure what I wrote down. So I said the person had been stabbed up to 75 times. And again, this isn't funny, but if you think about a stabbing... It's going to be a retrial now. If you think about a stabbing of 75 times, that's like your worst horror movie you've ever seen in your life. And right when it aired, I realized how stupid I was. Went back. It didn't air again. I didn't get in trouble. But that was a good lesson to take very copious notes. And when you write a number down on your piece of paper, know what that means. And this is why when we would do radio together, Charlie would always write down what the temperature was. Yes. He would literally walk into the studio and say, I'd go, oh, what a great day. He's like, uh, yes, it's currently 75 degrees. Actually writing it down. But you did news right out of the gate. I was an intern at Channel 11 and in the summer of 1989. And I would get to go to the stadium every once in a while. And the first time I ever met Bob Costas, who you know, mentored, not men- mentored me like they had a, played a role. I mean, like somebody I looked up to. And he was doing a Cardinal game that night for whatever reason. So Cousin John, who we're, we're at Chuck's house. Cousin John is in the shadows of Chuck. This is so weird. He's got the loud, loud pool parties. <laughs> you also live next door. I used to cut that lawn of that house right there. In that house. I used to have a quite the empire, which I may have to revisit here at some point. But... St. Louis Lawn Care, by the way, and St. Louis Equipment. Lawn looks fabulous. St. Louis Lawn Care, they actually cut on Mondays, so it looks good now. It's going to look fantastic tomorrow. I guess it's today when this podcast is actually released. Do we have to pretend that this is Monday? How do we no, do this? No, we're, just, we're okay. just checking in. It doesn't okay. matter. Okay, there we go. So it's the summer of 89. Costas does a game. I'm down there because I have a credential with Channel 11 as an intern. It's the summer before my senior year, and I'm like, i got to talk to this guy. i got to talk to him. He's leaving the Old Bush Stadium press box, and he's about to get on this elevator, which is right outside the doorway to leave. And so I kind of like walk fast and I yelled, Bobby. And he turns around and later, Cousin John was with me. Later he goes, did you call him Bobby? He's like, why would you do that? And I said, I don't know. I just got nervous. But I said, hey, Bobby. And he turns around and goes, yes. And I said, I'm just looking for some advice. I'm a St. Louis guy. I'm an intern. And he said, here's what I would tell you. When you get out of school, take any job. If they're reading the hog reports in Iowa, he said, get the job, get yourself in. If you want to do play-by-play, do the weekend farm report, and then on you know after a few months, the news director likes you. Maybe they'll let you do some games. He was 100% correct. But when I got out of Marquette, I said, I'm only going to take a sports job, which there are very few. So I, it took me a year after I got out of Marquette to get an actual job in sports. Cause, and so like a year later, I'm like, God damn it, Costas was right. Shocking, right, that I didn't listen. Well, that is not shocking. But I was the same way where – I only applied to sports jobs, so I graduate in May of, what, 2004. I'm sitting there in the summer. I had a good time that summer living at home, all my high school friends and all that, but then three, four months in, I was bored, and I just took this news job in the Upper Peninsula. It's funny, though, because what Bob Costas said, I do think that's true, and when I was in sports in the Upper Peninsula— You mean Bobby. Bobby, I'm sorry. When I was in sports, our general manager was obsessed with outdoor sports. He would want you again— just to go down to the lake and and film people fishing and just ask them about the trout they just caught. And I think it was every Monday they would release the report. 
I don't know anything about fishing, by the way. I fish, I enjoy it, but I don't know everything. And and we would just read the report like Lake Manitowoc, the crappies really biting. Like I had no idea what I was saying, but I just knew our general manager liked if I did the fishing report. One time, a couple of my buddies from college, they had a cottage in the in the UP. So they were staying at the cottage, had a nice lake, and I'm like, I want to hang out with them anyway. And I knew that my general manager loved if we did fishing stories. So one day my story was, and this is for sports. This is for the sports cast, right? I go out on the lake. My buddies are drinking and doing God knows what, and they're just fishing and just catching these little fish. I mean, this was this was the lead story of my sports cast, and it was funny because my one buddy caught this fish, and he threw it in the in the lake. He threw it back in the lake, and he kind of did it like a second baseman turning two. And I remember somebody actually called the TV station and complained that he too aggressively threw the fish back into the lake, and he wasn't honoring the fish, whatever it was. And the other thing I would do when they were visiting especially, I would include my buddies' names in the sportscasts, and I would just say, like, my friend Tim would turn two with my friend Mickey, and I would say their names. They think it's hilarious. So In the actual highlights. Oh, absolutely. So I, I did that at Rhinelander because – we had so much time to fill. I would do NHL highlights every night, and nobody in that market watching probably was that worried about the Sabres-Canadiens game. But if you run out there late, and this is before, I don't even know, I guess we had some kind of computer. I don't even know how it worked. We had a ticker. If I didn't know who scored, I would just say, mm-hmm. oh, Brian Gilmore with the assist, and John Gilmore on his line scores. And I would do it all the time. And then I would send the tape home, and the guys in St. Louis started saying when I would come back and visit, hey, can I uh, – can I score a goal? <laughs> and then they would say, well, can I hit a home run? I'm like, nah, home run, everybody knows all the baseball. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm like, but I can probably get you maybe a save or something because you just didn't have time to look half of that up. Now, of course, my hockey knowledge now is impeccable. That's different. Right, and I would do it. I'd only do it like I went out and covered American Legion baseball. So if, I don't know, if Escanaba's baseball team was playing a, a team from, they used to call it their downstate. If you were downstate, you were in the mitten of Michigan, so nobody from there would, would know or care if I used my friend's names for the kid from Detroit <laughs> who was playing against the kid from, uh, I don't know, Ishpeming. Which oh, actually, wait, Ishpeming, wait. Ishpeming, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Izzo's first coaching job was Ishpeming High School. Tom Izzo uh, from the UP along with Steve Mariucci. They're from uh, Iron Mountain. So you denied these high school kids the chance to have their name called? I did it with NHL guys. No, it would only be the kids who weren't from the, the upper opposing team. Correct. Like you don't the care if it's a team. kid from Flint or Saginaw reading his name. That's where I'd use my friends' names there. So I would do fishing stories in Rhinelander. I you get to know somebody. In fact, I got to find it. I've been cleaning out the basement. All COVID shut down. Whatever. I haven't made much progress, but I have a poster of a fishing expo. And it has my picture, and it says WJFW Zone. Martin Kilkin will moderate our fishing discussion, which wow. is such a fucking joke. I'm like, what am I? And I remember getting up there, and I'm like, coming up next will be our muskie expert. And I would just have to, like, segue in and out. And, and I loved it. But if you look back now, it's ridiculous. It had no place being there. But I do fishing stories, and I knew these old guys. And they you want to go fishing? All right. And we had great footage. I'd shoot it all. They're catching all these fish. And then we're done, and they would say, now you can't tell anybody where we were. I'm like, isn't that kind of part of the fun? But the fishing guys are so weird, they don't want anybody else hitting that lake. So I'm like, hey, it's some great footage. I'm like, and there we were that one day on that one lake. And I would, you weren't allowed. It was like the code, the fishing code. Okay, so and 
I don't know if this will be a great line, but you know Brian Cabell. He was my first news director. He was on CNN for a long time. I think he was a CNN correspondent for 17 years, 20 years, whatever it was. When I was up there in the news department, and the UP was cool because geographically, it just you got the painted rocks in, in Munising. You have the lake. I remember doing a story on a lighthouse. They have all these cool lighthouses. There's a whole lighthouse society of, of people who love to go all around the country and and visit these old lighthouses and collect the little trinkets and all that. But I remember I was doing a story on the anniversary, whatever it was, of the Edmund Fitzgerald. I didn't know a lot about this story going in. I start reading about it, and it's fascinating to me because I'd never heard about it. There's a lot. I'm from Toledo, Ohio. It seems like half that crew was from Toledo, Ohio, and I start reading about it. And, and then I hear on the radio they're playing the anniversary, they're playing the Gordon Lightfoot song, and I'm like, this is an, this is an amazing song. And I didn't know that it was this real popular national song your dad's band probably plays that's the thing it was like the one song my dad's band didn't play growing up i remember talking to brian cabell i'm like i was doing this story and then on the radio they were talking about the anniversary and this this song this gordon lightfoot song this is a great song and he was like he was like yeah the beatles were good too because i had never (laughs) i had never heard of this song i didn't know it was this widely popular song all across america i thought it was kind of maybe this local thing that people in the UP, the Upers, as they called them, only like sundown. No, that's yep. a different song. Or that is that part of that song? I might be mixing my Gordon Lightfoot knowledge. Is, and did when, you do ice when fishing? The, when the gales of November came early. That's yeah. Evans. <laughs> let's get let's get really drunk and yeah. sing this at a karaoke. Yeah, uh, karaoke coming to you soon. Ice fishing. First time I covered that in Rhinelander. They just send you out, and like nobody knows any better. Everybody's working there, like 23, 24. and so. You go out of the the ice, and, and I'm tiptoeing. I'm carrying the gear. It's got the tether cable and the backpack, and it's really heavy gear. So I'm like, this ice is going to break. I'm tiptoeing out onto the lake. And as I'm doing that, this pickup truck comes flying along across the lake. And some guy goes, hey, it's about six foot thick. And I go, oh, okay. Cars are driving. They literally, in the winter, plow the, the frozen lake so people can cut across. Cause it's easier, saves time to get across. And I, I was doing the story, though, and I realized these guys, ice fishing is just drinking. Like, yes. they're just sitting around, and they're playing, like, Nerf football. So I interview a couple of guys, and I said, are you are you guys really doing anything? It looks like you're just drinking. They go, you're not going to report that, are you? I'm like, basically, I learned ice fishing is just sitting around and drinking. But it looked like a lot of fun, but they were very concerned that I would let – they're like, you know, our wives might watch the news tonight. That's That's what I really picked up on in the U.P., I think they had all these winter festivals where all of these lakes that were frozen over, everybody was ice fishing. They had all kinds of great food there. They would have snowmobile races on the ice as part of the extravaganza. So you had all the winter sports going on, and then you had deer. They called it camp, your deer camps for for hunting and all that. And it really did seem like, and all the guys, they joked about that with you. They just wanted to get away from their wives. It was just a reason. Every every season, they needed some type of sport to get away from their wives, whether it was ice fishing, fishing, hunting. They'd have smelt. I remember doing a story on the smelt runs about back in the day where guys would just basically, you'd have parties in a creek, and everybody would drink, and they would have buckets, and they would just pick up the smelt, and that's how they had fun up there. And, and the truth is the wives probably wanted them to leave. Correct. Like they had no problem with them being gone. First job was in Flagstaff, Arizona, hired over the phone, and the news director said, hey, just so you know, this is not Arizona like, you know, golf and all this. We're up in the mountains. 
And I said, I'm effing living in Milwaukee. I mean, it's, it snows eight months of the year. I'll be fine. I, wor- I worked there for like nine months, and the coolest part was we covered Northern Arizona University. Strix, alma mater. How, How about random that? is that? Did he play hockey there? I or don't. Sports uh, Did they have a hockey team? I don't remember that. Why I don't, did he go there? Very random. But Strick, and that's our flag bond, me and Strick. Mm-hmm. He went to Northern Arizona, and I get the job there, and they sent me on a couple of road trips. And this will surprise you, but at that point, I wasn't skilled enough to, like, shoot. So all I had to do was, like, somebody would shoot, and they'd give me the tapes, and I'd take them back because we did all the coaches' shows. But I got to go to Pocatello, Idaho. Oh, nice. And I got to go to Boise, the blue turf. And in Pocatello, Idaho, got to ride the uh, at, at the team hotel. It was a Holiday Inn. They had a mechanical bull in the Holiday Inn bar. And I had my $25, not per diem, for the weekend. Ooh, I think nice. I had $25. And I blew it all on some Jack and Cokes right away. And then I was, like, mouthing off to the guy running the mechanical bull. And I get up there, and I got my ass dumped in, like, a second, you know, because I'm sure the guy can, you know, if it's a good-looking girl, she's going to stay up there for yeah. an hour. My fat really ass. Really slow. Yeah. I was dumped in no time. But I think what happens when you're in these places, and the cool part of Flagstaff is there's a lot of it that's cool. You're two hours from Phoenix. You're an hour from the Grand Canyon. So my buddies are all lawyers or work for their dad's company. They're all making money and fancy cars. The only cool thing I could offer was I'm like, hey, guys, for lunch, I just went to the fucking Grand Canyon. And that's all I had. <laughs> I didn't, wasn't really making it in life. And I think people that get in these small markets, whether it's in the UP or northern Wisconsin, you don't really enjoy it. And it sounds so stupid. Now we tell these, hey, they're always calling. I want to get a job. I want to go to a bigger market. You really should enjoy it. Because looking back, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, I had a lot of fun in my second job in Lansing. Because at the time, I'm 23, 24. I'm single at the time, college town. It was only an hour and a half from, from Toledo, where I'm from. So I had a bunch of friends who could come visit. I also had two or three friends that just happened to live in Lansing. So for the two years there, I almost felt like a college student. In, in a weird way, I kind of felt like I went to Michigan State. But in the UP, now at the time, I had, I had a girlfriend at the time, but it seemed like, I mean, everybody was dating each other. Everybody was 22. It was your first job. We all literally lived in the same apartment. Chuck is complex. describing an orgy, I believe. No, right? I'm just saying, <laughs> like, it was all it was all 22-year-olds and everybody lived in the same apartment complex. When you got that job, they basically pushed you off to this property manager who had all of the young kids, and we all did just go out and drink together. It, it was kind of interesting because basically 75% of the staff was 22 or 23, and then they had about 25% of the staff that was people that lived there, like maybe your main news anchors. But it was kind of an interesting mix, and everybody hung out together. And those main news anchors, but they hosted like every parade in town, and you guys were just kind of passing through. Yes. But see, like Lansing, I was in Madison after Rhinelander, before St. Louis, great town, Big Ten, similar probably to Lansing, the vibe or whatever. But the difference to me is like those small town starts, you do a little bit of everything, and it feels really stupid. You're like, God, I should have gone to law school, which is true. We should have gone to law school. 100%. Day one, my first actual professional day in the Upper Peninsula. And I guess this was a quasi-training day. But they went out there, and they had me shoot a bunch of fog. So, you know, it's your first day, so you're really trying to impress people. After a couple weeks, you know, I no longer care about that. But day one, I just remember going out there and trying to get 30 different angles of fog. And then realizing when I went back and looked at the tape that it all looked the same. You know what I'm saying? Were they messing with you? No, no, dead serious. I mean, 
they use it in the newscast. Right. Hey, it's a fog. You know how it is. The right. shot right before weather. Oh, it was a foggy day. What's the forecast look like? And that was my fog. And I tried so hard. And then I realized it all looks the same. I could use the same shot. We had a, a, one guy that would shoot video. Everybody like sports, weather, news. You were on your own, one man band. But there's one guy we had in Rhineland who would just go out and get a weather shot. Uh-huh. And so on a hot day, it's that same lake that's frozen over in the winter. And he shows people jumping in. And the weather guy, like they, he didn't always know what the video was. So he would just kind of ad lib. And there was people just jumping in off a raft or something. He goes, oh, what a great day to take a dump in the lake. <laughs> and, like, he's pausing. He goes, oh, I, uh, a dip in the lake, a dip in the lake. I'm like, no, I've been in there. There's probably a few dumps that have been taken in there. God bless small town news. I love Rhineland. I would, like, I could be happy living there. I would. I'd be happy covering fishing right now. I'd be happy covering ice fishing. Would you? Well, yeah. Well, we need Any sports. Any sports right now. I would. When I left the UP in 2006, I kind of said – I don't ever want to go back there. But now that I think about it, it would be fun to go for a vacation, especially in the summer. It really is beautiful on the lake and the fall colors. I'm not a big winter sports person. They, they love it up there with, again, I remember when I was the, the weekend news anchor, the lead story almost every Saturday was, unfortunately, that a snowmobiler drank too much and ran into a tree. I mean, that was basically the lead story. I, I remember one time I went to, to shoot video of a car accident. And I'm shooting kind of the aftermath. There was Bud Light cans everywhere, all over the place. The car was messed up. There was all kinds of debris. There's all these beer cans everywhere. And then the police report said, eh, we're not sure uh, the cause of the of the accident, but alcohol, alcohol did not seem to be a factor. And I'm I'm showing video. I'm showing video of just like Bud Light cans ever. So, and then you said, but the man was stabbed seventy-five times. All I'm saying is, you can just look at my video. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. As a 23-year-old, I'm not gonna go against the police report. But my video speaks for itself. And I'm sorry. I'm very sorry about the stabbing. But I corrected it, and I never heard about that because I don't think anybody was really watching. Right. That's the beauty. <laughs> I, I will tell you. Last story: small town news, small market fun. We didn't like our studio, so we decided to paint it. And we're a bunch of young people who said, Let's, it's, it hasn't changed since 1975. We're like, we got to change. So we're painting it on a Friday night and changing the colors. And the director comes up. He goes, oh, let me punch it up on some of the monitors. We're like, let's see what it looks like. All those, are, those colors really pop. All of our resume tapes will be better. We'll finally get out of here. And the phone rings in the newsroom. There's only one phone you know, in the newsroom. And the guy answers. And he's like, what? He goes, he said right now he can see us. He was watching Conan. And now he sees Martin drinking beer on the set. Are you guys painting the damn set right now? They accidentally popped it up over the air. So all these guys in their cabins all around the town. But love Rhinelander. Love Flagstaff. I sound like Strickland now. Love Rhinelander. I do. Love the Northwoods. To the kids out there, get that first job. As Costa said, get in. Just get in. Have fun. Enjoy it. Of course, you should go to law school. But if you go into media, enjoy it. That's the message here, Charlie, our closing thoughts. Enjoy that job. Enjoy that job. And my closing thought, even though Otis did maybe attack you, only because you looked like an intruder, to be honest, but I did take Otis to Kennelwood Pet Resorts the other day for grooming and for a bath, and he smells fantastic and he looks fantastic. All the locations are now open. They also have puppy play date. you got to check out Kennelwood Pet Resorts. All locations, ready to rock and roll here. Been going there for almost six years, boarding, grooming, day camp and all that at Kennelwood Pet Resorts. So maybe we need to take him for a little more training so that he doesn't uh, 
hurt Martin. But again, when Martin comes in the back unannounced, what is my dog supposed to do? He's protecting the house. Very intimidating with loafers and a golf shirt. Very intimidating. <laughs> So he, but I will say when he was attacking me, he smelled wonderful. He looked really well manicured when he was attacking me. Can I just say, so our dog smelled so bad about one week ago. I gave him a bath about two weeks ago. I didn't remember when our Kennelwood appointment was. I thought it was the previous week. And then I'm thinking, okay, I have to wait another week. And I was very lazy, so I didn't give him another bath. So basically for about a week, he smelled really bad. But I'm like, hey, I know I'm taking him to Kennelwood. We'll have the professionals do it on Friday. So when I dropped him off, I actually said to the very nice lady, I said, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry that my dog smells like this. And she was like, oh, we've smelled way worse. <laughs> Here at Kennelwood, we've smelled way worse. <laughs> Bring your dog in. The Kill Coin Conversation, Martin and Marlo. Hey, the young kids out there, you're in college right now in media. Just send us an email, martinandmarlo at gmail.com, martinandmarlo at gmail.com. We're working on the whole iTunes, Google, Spotify, all of that. We'll get it all sorted out. Every Monday, a new edition here. Uh, just hang it out on the back patio, whether you're invited inside or not. It doesn't matter. Brought to, brought to you by our friends at Triad Bank. Get online at triadbanking.com. Dot com. If you're not happy with the services you're getting at your bank, go to the friendly folks at Triad Bank. And also, Marie de Villa Senior Living, the corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Take a virtual tour right now at mariedevilla.com. That's it, Chuck. Any final thoughts? I think we've wrapped it up. This is great. This has been a message for the kids. It has been. And, uh, you know, go out there and follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. And we're way over on time. Everything's 20 minutes except this particular podcast. <laughs>